0: Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Here, Justin sits in that hot box and plays the drums. Good morning, you guys. Whew. I'm going to open in prayer, too. So, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for your love and for your word. Thank you for your relationship with each of us, how you know us, and you don't just show up as some one-size-fits-all, but you understand, like a good father, how to reach us and how to help us to learn and to grow, to enjoy life, to experience you. You're so good. Help us to be brave enough to accept that. <laughs> and to accept that you're loving enough to forgive us when we aren't. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today's sermon, uh-oh. There he is. Give it up for John Jones, the actual MMA legend here. <laughs> Legal problems notwithstanding. We're not going to hold that against Jonathan. Jonathan. Um, Jonathan I sent him 29 slides yesterday and four songs so he had to go fish all that out I tried to be helpful but it was a lot he said well you wouldn't have given it to me if you didn't know I could do it I said I didn't know if you could do it or not <laughs> I just gave you what I thought I was supposed to give you so if you could hit us with the first slide we're going to talk about the fivefold today um and unity okay good so it's a common phrase, especially in your charismatic churches. We talk about the fivefold a lot. I don't even know who first dubbed it the fivefold. I don't know why. It just we like alliterations in the church. Anything that's like you know F F B B doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. But it does. Fivefold does make some sense. Um, we're going to go through a handful of scriptures fairly quickly here, and there will be some time for prayer at the end. And um, this will be interesting. So, unity. There's the fivefold without the unity. Jonathan, you're so good at this. So, the fivefold. All that basically means is God's like, hey, there's a way I want you to run this thing. It's going to come through this, it's going to look this way. Boom. Here's some people. They're a gift. And we're going to read all these scriptures and we're going to talk about it. But that's how this functions. So if you were gonna build a building, you'd need carpenters, electricians, you'd need foundation people. That's what I grew up doing with dirt work. You need all these different crafts to show up. Uh, I still work in the industrial world and we sell material that they use. It's almost like an insulation. And when people who do not work in that field try to install our material, it very rarely goes well because they're not experts in that. They're not even good at that, but they're on the job and they're working and they're like, well, we can do that. We can do that too. Okay, we'll go do it, I guess. I don't want a plumber coming to do my electrical work. That's not what I want. That's not a good deal, okay? I don't think you do either, and God's aware of this. The first person ever anointed in Scripture, Kwame, that'd be a fun one. Can you find the name of the first person ever anointed in Scripture? Like with the Holy Spirit, for the, for the tabernacle. It's, it's like, if you could look it up right now, that would be awesome. Uh, so I, I, I'm a guess it was like, no, I'm just going off of Elk and I, because we were saying that the other day. He had a fun name, like all the people in the Bible. It wasn't John, I promise. And he was the first person ever anointed for work for anything in Scripture, and it was to build the tabernacle. So God's very aware that we need specializations in what we do, that one person is not going to be great at everything. As a matter of fact, he's designed us so that we have interdependence on one another so that one person can't come up here or go anywhere and run the whole show by themselves. If you've seen churches where one cat, male, female, tall, short, I don't care who they are, tries to do all this stuff alone, I promise you, you have not had a good church experience in that place. Now, if it's small and different, that's cool. But that's seasonal, fine, that's fine. But long term, it goes poorly. Because God didn't create us to be a one-man band playing six instruments at once. He created us for unity. He created us for interdependence to where we need one another and we operate with one another. Otherwise, it's just its so easy to let pride come in, and it's so easy to make this thing what we want it to be. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. So unity. Appreciate you, John, again. So the first scripture today is Ephesians 4, 3, and 5. Um, let's see, I like to see it up there, makes me happy, while John's getting it up there. This is actually my grandfather's Bible. Um, when he passed away, I I got it from from his room, so we're talking about beautiful and long-standing things today, so this is a beautiful, long-standing tradition in our family. So Ephesians, let's see here. Is that 4, 3, and 5, John? Look how good you did. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's only one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all and through all. Wait a minute. That's not what that says, is it? Did we get the wrong one? That sounds like Corinthians to me. We got it? Got the right one. Okay, good. That sounds awfully similar. All right, go to the next one if you would, John. have to forgive me. My highlighter it bled a little deep here. Perfect. Good job. The fivefold is to equip the body for works of service, so the body of Christ may be built up until we are all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Right before that, there's a lot of scripture, and I'm going to throw a bunch of them out there, and we're going to talk about them. Right before that, it says Jesus descended, and then he ascended so he could fill the whole universe with himself. Where do you even put that? Like he came up and he went, I don't even know how to process the concept of Jesus going down to come up to fill the whole universe with himself. And the next words out of his mouth are, he did this, and he gave us the fivefold as a gift. I tend to find that God's not dumb. So when he says gigantic, interesting statements like that, and He, f- whatever's right around that, I want to know what it is. Because he's not popcorning. He's not potpourriing his statements. He's making cohesive thought. So it's very important what he's saying around that. Can you go to the next one, please, John? Can I look at this TV? Are we going to be good? Oh, man. Just for fun, Sam Denton and I, I called Sam one Saturday night, and he's like, hey, what you doing? I said, I was calling to see what you're doing. He goes, ah, oh, you want to help me put a TV up? For those of you who know Sam, Sam is gifted at many things. He is not a handyman, and neither am I. It took us like five hours to put that TV up. And part of the reason is because it's like eight feet off the ground, and you can't put a ladder back there. And so we were standing on chairs on top of chairs, like doing this number. It was uh, It was definitely Larry Brown would not have approved. OSHA would not have approved. We'd uh, We'd have been shut down quickly, but we did get it up there. Um, Okay, so be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus has also forgiven you. So that's the last verse. Go ahead, keep going. Now, there are varieties of gifts. We're moving into 1 Corinthians 12. Same spirit, though, and there are varieties of ministries. Same Lord. Varieties of effects, but the same God who puts all things in all persons. Again, you're not getting away from this. This is the structure of how God wants to minister. He's literally saying ministries, gifts, varieties of effects, all this stuff works, all in different people, all together in the same spirit. Go to the next one, please. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. Don't you love when they add like six commas to one sentence? For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free. And we are all made to drink of one spirit, for the body is not one member but many. Keep going. I'm going to drive this home as hard as we can. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. And it goes on. You can keep going to the next one. Obviously we know this doesn't make a lot of sense to think, oh well, I'm different, so I'm not part of it. You don't get to be separate. You don't get to dissect part of this and say, but I operate here. We don't get to do that. It's safer to do that because then you can just collect yourself with a bunch of severed hands that all do the same thing hands do. And nobody has to learn what feet do or what eyes do. And it's much safer because it's more familiar. But it's also stupid. Like, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but it's dumb. And we do these dumb things. Who in God's name would cut off their hands and say, well, I don't need that. I just want my eyes. Nobody, nobody would do such a foolish thing. But when it comes to needing other people, Are having to tolerate their quirks because of their gifts and their callings and how they're geared, oh, we're quick to say, well, that's not of God, or this is that, or this. We're quick to label and dismiss, even ourselves. We do it to ourselves. Well, I'm not like them. I'm not, I don't do that. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Who are you to dismiss yourself like that? Please don't do that. Please, please, please don't do that. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired if they were all one member. I love that. Just as he desired. Come to find out, he gets his way. Where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. We got another one, Jonathan, or is that it? I thought that was it. You did such a good... Y'all give Jonathan a round of applause. So I think these are the two chapters in the Bible that talk the most about the fivefold. And in those chapters, obviously, 27 out of 62 verses, obviously, the Lord is driving home the concept of unity. It's not a coincidence. Unity is a part of how things function when the fivefold is healthy and, and free to wield and do and what, be what it's supposed to be. You're not going to get to the fruit of it without it. So... Why is it that sometimes it's such a hard thing to kind of, it almost feels like catching lightning in a bottle when you get, well, this is a healthy person who does this thing and a healthy person who does that thing. And we'll talk about all the things they do. But when you, you ever been around a group of people that you kind of just, you know who leads it and you know who's really great with this part and great with that part. And it's such an interesting team. It makes me think of a basketball team because that's what I loved growing up. But, you know, one person's great by the basket. The other person's great at range. The other person's great on defense. The other person's – but everybody's got something they're great at. And they all bring it together and it works. If you put five Shaqs on a basketball team, the, you're not going to win every game, I promise. You're going to lose a lot. I mean, I love Shaq. Everybody likes Shaq. But 7'3", three, 350 pounds, hey, he's not going to guard little people. <laughs> like, that's not where he's going. And it could be the same with cooking. It could be instruments. It could be whatever. You need the harmony. And we know that, but then we resist it. And when we resist it, we deprive ourselves of the thing that God's given to us. It takes courage to do it. So why – let me rephrase that. There is an interdependence I think we can accept as good. And Jonathan, would you put that one up there? And then uh, go back one, please, brother. But not codependence. So there's an interdependence that we like. Interdependence is I need you to do what you do that I cannot do. And uh, we've actually got a definition for that. And I just pulled this off the Internet because I'm not a psychiatrist nor am I trying to pretend that I am one. Interdependence involves a balance of self and others with the relationship, recognizing that both partners, I love the word partner there, are working to be present and meet each other's physical and emotional needs in an appropriate and meaningful way. Interdependence. Nobody sitting here is going to say that's a bad idea. If you go to the next one. Codependence is a circular relationship in which one person needs the other person, who in turn needs to be needed. The codependent person, known as the giver, feels worthless unless they are needed by them and making sacrifices for the enabler, also known as the taker. There's nobody sitting here who thinks this is good. Nobody. These are bad things to do. And how many of you would ever say you've ever been in a codependent relationship? Like, absolutely. So it's it's okay that we struggle with this. It's okay that we're not perfect at it. That's not the goal here, but the goal is to recognize there is a beauty, there is a unity, there is an interdependence. Um, Kwame, did you find the name of the guy? <laughs> I love it. It's almost like Kwame. Go ahead. Basilio. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I remember that. There you go. Yeah, because I remember because it's like a bevel. And that's what I used to do in the f- plants. Um, right. So that's how I remembered it. Then I forgot it. Good. All right. Somebody want to look up another scripture for me? I need a hand of somebody looking up a scripture for me. Anybody got the guts? Okay, Miss Trish. I need the verse that talks about how when the body is unified, the world will receive the gospel. All right. So we're going to move on down. Yeah, that one will be more fun so we don't like codependence obviously it doesn't work great and codependence and experiences in codependency push us away from leaning on one another so i don't do i need to talk about that i mean do you get it it's not good there's like a little trauma triangle we can talk about and it's actually a whole day class you can take and it's super duper helpful you don't want to be the hero of the story because then there's like a victim you're always saving and you don't want to be the victim because then you're always blaming someone who's the, like the evil villain. And you don't want to be the villain because nobody wants to be the villain. Most of the time, the villain of the trauma triangle doesn't even know they're the villain until they get, a, like, they get like a notification by mail, like certified mail saying, you are like, you know, going to court. Like it's not a good day to be the villain. So nobody wants to be part of this. But our experiences with this push us so far away from trust, it pushes us away from interdependence, and we just end up shortchanged. We end up with a whole orchestra full of violin players. Nobody wants that. I like the violin, but not that much. We end up with a whole kitchen full of sous chefs. What does a sous chef do? Anybody? Help me, soups? I don't know what a sous chef does. Yeah, they're chopping stuff all day. You have all the veggies are chopped. None of it's cooked. We don't need that we need i'm just there we go going great thank you guys so we need the whole body the whole council of what we're looking for here all right let's go to the next verse mr jonathan believe it or not there are more verses because i really really want to lay the foundation for this the i cannot say to the hand i have no need of you and again to the feet i have no need of you on the contrary it is much truer that the members of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary and it depends on what culture you're in, but in some cultures, the I'd say the military, uh, lots of church cultures that are run by more apostolic people, the weaker members, and they get railroaded a lot, and you learn just not to open your mouth. You learn how to go serve, and you learn how to not be seen. You learn how to absorb other people's trauma and issues because you're not important. Again, these are not things that lend toward us having the bravery to accept interdependence on one another. They push us far. They push us far, far off. But you can't die there. I understand if you've been put there. I've been put there. But we've got to do the work of coming back because somebody hurts us. Okay, now what do I do? If somebody walked in here right now and tried to hurt us, we all wouldn't just stand here and go, oh, well, I guess I'll just line up and take my beating and then who's next? Rich, get up here, take care. Like We wouldn't do that. We would fight back. And if we failed, we would die fighting. We would do something. We wouldn't just sit here. But when it's relational and when it's deep-seated, we just kind of die quiet little deaths that nobody sees, and we just become more and more segregated and pushed aside and marginalized. That's the opposite of this. It's the opposite of his design, and it will stranglehold everything in you that he's put in you because if it's not flowing out of you it's dying and stagnant it's got to come out to be effective but there's so much fear so the question is as my buddy mike would say you know fear and love both require everything but only love pays back fear just never stops taking got the next verse my friend and you're so good. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on those we bestow more, more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become more, much more presentable. I love that. That's a good. It's a little mysterious, a little prophetic sounding. I like it. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. Keep going. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so there may be no division in the body. So why did he do this? Why did he make sure that people that were marginalized were no longer marginalized? So there would be no division. But the members may have the same care for one another. And this is one of my favorite verses. And if one member suffers, go to the next slide. Go to the next slide. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. The way the Lord gave this to me was if you get cut, I bleed. So if you're not okay, I'm not okay. That doesn't mean that I have to be codependent and give away my okayness just because you're upset. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're wounded... I'm wounded. That's tough. That's tough. Maybe the toughest place to do it is in marriage. That's hard because we're wounding each other. (laughs) But if you had the mindset of if you're wounded, I'm wounded, how much does that cut down on the wounding? But it's hard. It's hard to think that way. Because we're taught, and it's really so much of the flesh is, well, I'm going to push away. I may even wound you if I have to to get away so that you can't hurt me. Is that working for anybody? No. I didn't even notice a Gen Z shirt today. Aaron, what's your wife wearing? unity you were just looking at gentsy you can say it was the shirt if you wanted to (laughs) that's great it is unity my friend what's the next verse we got just a couple more verses believe it or not now you are christ's body so we're his body maybe you want to mutilate your own body and some of us have done that hey we'll just have a conversation about it let's figure it out but you're not just your own body you're christ's body It, it still unhinges me when I think about Jesus on the cross. And when I think about it, I kind of picture myself there, and I want, to, I want to take him down, but he doesn't want that because he knows why he's there. He knows what he's doing. Nobody took his life. He laid it down for me, but I'm still there looking at him, and I, I just want him off. That's not how this works. He put his body there. He made that sacrifice. That's his call, and I have to honor his call. And that's, you don't feel worthy of something like that. So if we're not, if we can admit in humility that maybe none of us feels worthy that somebody go be killed for us, then let's in humility accept that Jesus, we're, he's saying we're his body. We're individual members of it. So we certainly don't want to mutilate ourselves. We don't want to mutilate his body by not honoring one another and not taking those risks and being brave and being connected because it does, it divides and we're part of him And in whatever weird, supernatural, Jesus-y way that he's like, hey, you guys are my body. I don't know. I don't know how I'm the bride of Christ. I don't know how women are the sons of God. Like I don't, I don't understand all that but I'm here to run with it, whatever he wants me to do. I mean, I'm, I'm down for it. I don't have to understand all of it but I can, I can accept it and if we're going to accept that we are the body of christ then we certainly got to start treating that body as if unity in it is very important anything else that's a scary kind of arrogance to be honest to think that it's cool for us to divide that because they somebody might look different or oh well they're catholic okay they love i don't know do they love jesus i don't know just because you're sitting here don't mean you love Jesus either. That's okay. I went to lots of church services when I didn't love Jesus. Like, it, Let's go find out. Let's go know that person. Let's go talk to them. Let's go see what that looks like. Let's go assume that God is good enough at his job, that he doesn't need me to do it, but that he wants me to partner with him and go find out and be connected to other people because there's God in them. There's amazing, beautiful, powerful, loving things in them that I don't have. And if I don't have it and it's of God, I want it the issue unfortunately is that most of the time we're more comfortable with the things that we already kind of know and it's not worth the risk to go find out what's in another person i may have to get to know their mess i may have to walk through their brokenness i may have to find out how they were abused i may have to go unravel all this stuff with them just to get to the god part and i don't want to But that just isn't quite good enough, I don't think. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles. That word is primary. So you can hear some people, and I won't get lost in this, will teach, well, this is a chronological order of how the church started. There is there's not very much biblical backing as in zero for that. The word there is primary, secondary, tertiary, and then the rest. And when it's listed in, in Ephesians 4, it's the same exact thing, primary, secondary, tertiary, and the rest. I was a very bad Koine Greek student at LSU. I know what I'm talking about. I almost lost my scholarship because of coin Greek. That's a dead language for a reason. But I do remember that verse. Okay, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then te- gifts of healing. You see how it first, second, third, and then it dropped off. There's no more fourth, fifth, sixth, first, second, third, then miracles, gifts, healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. It's interesting you don't see teachers and pastors there. Pastors wasn't in the list. Just interesting. Now you are all body and individually members of it, and God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second. uh, It did say teachers. um, Pardon pardon me. I'm sorry, but it didn't say pastors. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Keep going, my friend. Do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I'll show you a still more excellent way. So the gifts are great. The fivefold's great. And then it goes into love. And how love is really all that really matters in all of this. And if you're doing any of it outside of love, it's worthless. And then the next chapter is all about how we should do it all, which is great again. And there's two verses in there that say, it's, I can't remember how many verses it is. There's two verses that say, make sure you do it in order. And I don't know about you, I've been 20-something years in the church, I've heard do it in order more than I've ever heard do it. I've heard, do make sure it's in order. Is it in order, brother, is it in order? Is this in the... And it's like, okay, cool, let's make sure that it is. But it, the whole chapter is tongues and prophecy and all this supernatural wildness. And twice it says, "But make sure it's in order. That's permission to go do it. Just make sure you do it God's way. But I don't know about your church experience, but mine was much more like, oh, we don't do any of that stuff because it's not in order. Well, you can't throw out all the stuff he told you to do because he said don't do it like a fool. Don't Just don't do it like a fool. It's okay to do it. He's saying to do it. But again, those things are scarier. They're weirder. They're intimidating. They're supernatural. They're not to be controlled and confined. They're not domesticable. It's like having a pet tiger. You don't really know what he's going to do. Go ask Siegfried and Roy. Like, you don't really know for sure how, how Tony's going to wake up today. Today might be the day Tony didn't have enough. One more hoop and we're going to see what happens. We don't know. If it's tabby cat, you're not worried about that. If it gets riled up, you just, throw, you know, calm down, cat. It's going to be all right. But that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. But we, those things scare us. And, you know, C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia said it really well. He said he's, just, he's, just, he's a good lion, but he's not tame. He will not be tamed by us because that would be Stupid. Because we do not tame God. That sounds just a little off coming out of my mouth. But we do submit to him. And we enjoy him and we love him. We engage with him. We play and have fun and all these great things. But we don't tame him. That would be a very, very bad idea. But we tend to do some things that result in the same end outcome. Just for fun, anybody know how many denominations there are In the church. Yeah, it's a new one every day. That was well said. If I told you there were 45, would that be enough to make you a little bit sad? And be like, 45 different ways we're doing this. 45 different divisions in this thing that God wanted. And it was literally called the way before it was ever called Christianity. It was just the way. Now there's 45 the ways. If I was 4,500, there's 45,000. Forty-five thousand? What are we doing, Trish? Did you ever find that verse? That's actually one of the verses we read, so you're good. I appreciate that. I just wanted to say one other thing because I've learned this recently and I know it to the depths of my soul. I am not my body. I am a spirit which is eternal. My body is the house my spirit, which is eternal, lives in. The body, the only body I'm I'm dwelling in that's real and forever, is the body of Christ. Amen. For certain. For certain. Definitely. Okay. I like to do little treasure hunts like that whenever i are speaking because you never know what's going to happen. It could be way better than you hoped. It could be way worse. But n- nobody gets bored when it's worse. Nobody's like, oh, that didn't work out. Let's see what he does. You know, nobody's like, oh, I don't care. You know. yeah, yeah, a little more engaging. Plus, you never know when you might be asked to look up a scripture. All right. So put the next, next slide, please, Jonathan. This is a big deal. Um, oh, keep going. Go one more. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Past the scriptures. Oh, go back. How did we get to all of that? Hmm. God is not seeking a display of my Christ-likeness, but a manifestation of his Christ. That's Watchman Nee. If you don't know who Watchman Nee is or the price he paid to say those words, it's worth a read. It's worth a Google search for sure. We're really, really, really good at giving displays of Christ-likeness. He's really, really, really good at giving manifestations of who he is. When the two meet, to me, that's church. To me, that's what a Christian life looks like because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what scriptures you're going to get. You don't know exactly how it's going to play out. I uh, went to have uh, lunch one time after church with my wife, Barbara. Everybody see Barbara? Say, woo! She loves me. And I do that. <laughs> so she's going to love this even more. So we're having dinner at this place. I got food poisoning, by the way. I think twice from this place. And somebody, I dented up their Mercedes, a like brand new Mercedes in the parking lot. So I don't know why we ever go to this restaurant. This is the worst restaurant. Um, the food is pretty good. But we're in Mobile. So um, go to this restaurant. And the the server's great. She's nice. You you can tell she's a little bit like going through something on a Sunday afternoon. If you've ever worked in a restaurant. Who's worked in a restaurant? Sunday afternoon crowd. Your favorite crowd? Keep your hand up. Didn't think so. But let's work on that, please, for the love of God, because they're expecting us to come in there and be terrible. Maybe that's not a great look or just a good way to treat people. So anyway, we're in this restaurant. This lady's not doing great. She sees a big group of churchy-looking people come in, and that's what we look like. And a matter of fact, our friend Chris had just got finished preaching, so we were super churchy looking. And we all sat down, and she's taking our order, and Barbara just says, hey, and starts just getting into her business. I'm talking about in her business, in her business. And you can feel it. You're like, ooh, what's about to happen right here? And before it was done, Barbara had this woman bless our food. She prayed over our meal as a on the clock as an employee and started talking about how god had been speaking to her and how she really wanted to move from where she was to go help with her family and all this kind of stuff and all kinds of great ministry happened right in that moment those moments are when he manifests and you can't you can't tame that how many mission trips you been on there lydia Elaine? 33 it's a week Uh, 33 international mission trips. I mean, Mm. if you're going to be a slacker, I guess that's one way to do it. uh, You found any way to tame them out there in the wild? (laughs) No. No. But it's something we're really good at sometimes. We cannot become satisfied with the level of success we can achieve on our own. I'll say it again. We cannot become satisfied with the level of success we can achieve on our own. It's not good enough. And the watching world of people, and I'm not a deep evangelistic kind of guy. Like, I'm not like, hey, let's get everybody saved. And I, want, I want everybody to get saved, but it's not what drives me. But I, when I think about the world looking at 45,000 different denominations and then we treat people like garbage and we go out to eat at you know, whatever Denny's, I wouldn't want any part of this. I wouldn't. But there's a God in this thing Nobody's ever experienced him and thought, I don't want that, ever. It's impossible. But we experience people and go, no, no, I'm good. There's a disconnect (laughs) between a God that everybody wants and a people that sometimes is not so desirable. So we cannot become satisfied with our success. And I had this to be up there. Let's see if we got it. We have to realize God's design produces God's results. We got that one? Look at you, you big stud. Any other design is a compromise of God's word. God's design, God's results. Anything else? Who won't, who, give, me, give me a word for, God, for compromise, God's word. Counterfeit. Counterfeit's a great word, actually. Yeah. Sin's a better word. Sin. It's sin. It's sin. You, you can't just do what we want to do. It's odd that some of the, the denominations in this 45,000-plus that commit, oh, we love the word. They, I didn't even know this was going to be up here. That's perfect. This was just sitting here. They just take the scissors to anything to do with the supernatural all day long. This is not a promise. I didn't plan this. I was actually, like, trying to find a place to put it where the kids wouldn't get to it. It was just sitting on the podium, probably Stacy Snow and Landon's kids. Throwing them under the bus. But it's actually from the Lord. Thank you. But they just take the, oh, it's supernatural. We don't want that. Oh, well, God's done with that because of no scripture ever. I don't. I can't go there with you. Like, there's nothing to say he's done with it. As a matter of fact, our lives are full of, well, we we, we approve of these. I don't care what you approve of. I care what he said. I care what I've seen. I care what others can show me. I, I don't just care about what you're saying from some ivy, You know, ivory tower, academia, eh. we can't just say we love the word. And we can't just say, oh, well, God is great and God's powerful, and if he wants to do all these things, he'll do them. The enemy understands that God's great and he's powerful. At least they tremble. It's not just about saying we love the word or saying we love the church. It's, It's legitimately doing it and doing it in his way, or else we will be counterfeits. Um, I didn't have this up there because I didn't want to give too much room for counterfeit, but I understand that there has been great church abuse. I've had two different apostolic leaders blackball me out of churches. True and good God's honest excommunications. It's not a fun day, I'll let you know. At all. To be excommunicated from a body of believers. (laughs) And have no friends the next day. And you're like, well that was half a decade of my life I won't get back. Like, having planted churches in an organization, having done ministry for years, having traveled overseas, and then you're just done. With And two weeks prior, they were like, hey, can you preach on Sunday? I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to preach on Sunday. And then two weeks later, you're done. That's a hard nut to crack, my friends. That's not fun. Okay, so I can tell you a lot about abuse of these powers and abuse of these positions. It's real. But if I threw a wad of $100 bills in the air right here, Nobody's going to be like, oh, some of them are fake. And mm, I don't. Mm, mm. No, man. You, the ones that land in your lap, you're like, I got those. <laughs> like Nobody saw that I picked those up. I'm very spiritual. I don't need the money. You know, I mean, if, if, if there was a million dollars and we just. Nobody's going to be like, oh, well, some of them are fake, so we won't touch any of them. No. Of course they're fakes. Of course they're fakes. Of course there's abuse of power. Of course it's failed. Of course. Anybody in here batting a thousand on success? Anybody in here gifted of God and everything you've ever done with that gift is perfect? How many things I've preached from the pulpit I wish I could take back? I was preaching to people in prison for 30 years on average and saying things that I know now aren't true. That's... That stinks. That's no fun. That wasn't anything big, but it was still stuff that affects them. And I hate that I did that. I hate that that's in the mix, but it's part of being a human. I learned. I grew. So I understand there is tremendous hurt sometimes in these areas, and it's just so much easier to say, well, this is the tame people, so I'll go where the tame people are. Francis Chan's got a little book. It's a pretty good little book. If you don't know who Franny Chan is, he's worth a Google search, and he's worth a read. But at had a... Humongous megachurch in the richest p- county in America. Had a couple best selling books and freaked out because the money was overwhelming. This is his words. And just moved out to Asia. Now he's Asian uh, American. He took him, his wife, and they have like five or six kids, and they all went to live in China. Simi Valley Megachurch, where he preached for like an hour a week and everybody thought he was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> Chinese America in China. It's a communist country. There's a three-self-act church. There's some liberty there, but not a lot, not as much as people like to think. That's a huge swing. That's a swing. That's not like going from Methodist to Catholic to not. This is a different planet on what we're talking about here. We're not quite a different planet, but it's the other side of it, for, good to, for God's sake. So then he comes back and he says, okay, I don't want to do the mega church today. I'm going to plant churches in San Francisco in the Tenderloin District. Go look that up if you want to. So this is not an area where they spend a lot of time in church. And they planted churches and now they're just taking over entire and I when I say take over, I don't mean in a negative context, entire like apartment buildings full of people are just coming to this apartment and that apartment and this apartment and that apartment. And they don't have it figured all out and they're not doing it perfect by any stretch. And now Francis will tell you, he's like, Man, I got like fifty guys that are my best friends. And they pull on me and they have a demand on me. And it's so much harder than the hour I spent teaching and everybody thought I was great. And I just went through the back door so I did to talk to people. Said, but that didn't produce the results I wanted. That didn't get anywhere. He said he went to Asia. And if you're at the church more than three years, they don't understand why you're still there. Why are you here? You're not starting a ministry? How many people out here that aren't saved? Why are you here? We're trying to find a way to keep everybody right here. Like, and there's nothing wrong with keeping people in your holy huddle that's fine but eventually you you, ca- you have a huddle to break to go run the play <laughs> like that's you don't just huddle forever that's not a plan you get delay of game five yards so francis in his very very hard-won wisdom said a lot of what we do in church not that it's all bad but a lot of what we do is very much like a wave pool so everybody here thinks the blew by you and you wait in the wave pool until they turn it on. And when they turn it on, by mechanism, they can control the height, the depth, the f- frequency of the waves. All of that's very easily controlled. Here it comes. Here we go. Woo! And they can tell you in this urine-soaked pool that, because we all know it is. Let's be it is. They ain't got enough chlorine in the world to clean that pool. But as you're sitting there in it, Like, you know when the wave is coming. And they even make an alarm. So you know when it turns on and off. You get a wave. It's not like it's a pumpkin or something. It's a wave. Just a very tame version of the ocean. And when you decide to go into the ocean, if you're looking for a wave pool, you don't get that. There's no alarm to let you know. You just are there. Jonathan and Angel came out of a Home Depot the other day. And there was a guy laying on the ground dying or dead. We're still not really sure. Police officer's there. And Jonathan, hey, can we pray for this guy? How many of you right now are not in the story already? Like, you're not the character in the story who walks up and goes, oh, guy on the ground, cop. I'm going to pray for him. Is that cool cop? Cool, cool, cool. Like, that's not me. I would have been like, hey, he's going to die. I don't know. Lord, do something. I'd have been, I would not have engaged, probably. Anybody else would not have engaged with random guy laying on the ground probably dying? Yeah, John Angel, like, and kush, this is where I come in. Like, you know, and they do pray for the guy. He starts, he starts reviving. He gets up. Come to find out, his daughter had just died. Yeah, man, this whole trauma that most of us in here—I know some of us can—but most of us in here—it's a—it's a, it's a worst-case, horrible nightmare to think of your child, his child just died. Right. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. That kind of stuff doesn't happen in a wave pool. You only get that in the ocean. Not that everybody has to talk to the the server and everybody has to talk to the dead guy at Home Depot. Like, I'm not saying that, but God's got a thing for you to go do, I promise. And there's a person on the other end of it. Ron Carpenter Jr. is one of my favorite old school Pentecostal cats, and he loves to say, the answer to your prayer has a first name. You're looking for God to come down, and maybe he will, he does that, but it's probably Bill or Fred, or Josephine, that's about to walk up and bless your life in a way you never saw coming. That's so much of the unlocking and the going from season to season. And Mona was talking about going from seasons. So much of it is taking the risk on the person to your left and right. And you didn't know that your next season was locked up in shame. But you'd be blessed if it were. But that's scary. It's just easier to say, well, Lord, you'll send a A white tiger flying on the wings of an angel, or something—I don't know. Goku will come and he'll help me. Like, no, like it's not going to go down that way. More than likely, he will absolutely show up in beautiful, powerful, amazing ways. It's a big part of what I believe, and a big part of what this church believes. But he's also going to show up relationally and communally. He shows us that it's all over Scripture. It's all over the Scriptures. We just read like literally fifteen scriptures. If you you don't believe what I'm saying, go back and read all those scriptures. There's a bunch of them. I did it for a reason because this is hard. But if you've got 15 scriptures looking at you, <laughs> you, you, you kind of have to realize, okay, it's me. Anybody seen the little clip of the lady? It's like, I went to counseling, and I found out. It's me. <laughs> like, like th- it's, it's, it's not that it's just her, but she was like, oh, no, the psychiatrist was very specific. <laughs> it, 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 like, this is the scriptures. It, it ain't going nowhere. Jonathan put all of them up there. Look at Look at the baby. Y'all look at the baby. Woo! they made that baby all right, hey y'all do, do me a favor we're going to ride the wave here Lord Jesus if y'all would pray with me bless Miss Gracie and bless Addie help them to sleep help them to gain all the weight they need to get help them with the proper nutrition and for everything to flow and be beautiful and perfect and for them to have so much grace in this season Lord just lavish them with splendor and grace in Jesus name amen okay so we're going to go, we're, we're done with counterfeits. I spent way more time than, than I wanted to. Jonathan, can I get you engaged? Put the baby down. The baby's not as important as me saying things. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all should have saw Jonathan do this, he went. <laughs> like he was going to throw the baby. Please don't throw the baby. Okay, so the first one is, this is the fivefold. These are these different groups of people that are supposed to come and help do their job. The electricians, the general contractor, the foundation guy, the plumber. These, these are specialized jobs in the church. Please show the apostles, sir. Forerunners who are called by God to create his culture. That's a tough one, guys. Uh, when I talked to Landon when they first planted this church, I talked to Landon for like three hours at a CC's Coffee in Prairieville. Um, and we had never met. We found each other on Global Legacy, I think is the Bethany Bethel thing. I'm not even sure if that's the name of it anymore. Yeah, Paul Manwaring. Thank you, John. Paul Manwaring set that up. So we're talking and he's like man i would i would be in disobedience if i didn't plant this church and that's the only way i'll plant this church (laughs) like i'm only going to do it if by not doing it i know that i'm wrong because i don't just want to plant a church to plant a church i want to do it if god wants me to do it and i know that so deeply that anything less than doing this is sin apostles talk that way we need to hear those words we need that way very, very, very badly. But that's not the way we like for people to talk. <laughs> that, that way is intimidating and is a little bit heavy-handed. And sometimes people that roll in that are a little heavy-handed themselves because they're working their junk out. Sometimes they can be a little demonstrative or a little rough, but they're also cutting ground that's completely untouched. They're creating out of dust for the Lord. You can't send a person who is very, very soft to do that. They can have a soft center, like a Tootsie Roll Pop, but they, if you get to the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop in one bite, you're not an apostle. Let's put it that way. You Remember the, the owl, the one, two, and then he took the... It's going to take a minute to get to the center of most apostles. They're, they're tough because they've been called to do things that are very difficult and very painful. It's very lonely it's because you, you, you just act a little different when you most church planting groups which is something I've come to know a lot about here in the last few years because close, dear very close friend is planting a church like 80% of them in the last couple of years have folded up and a lot of that's to do with COVID absolutely no questions asked but a lot of that's to do with it's just an in vogue thing if you're a Christian and you're in your 20s you go plant a church we've got dozens of different ways to go do it and we've got all kinds of people who help you do it i'm sorry i want called on, i don't care if you're 15 i don't care what you are i want called i want it to burn inside of you i want it to be something that if you said no to you wouldn't be able to sleep at night it would bother you because you'd hear the cries of the people god had attended had you to attend to that's the only way to do this thing i promise you i'm a I, I'm not going to sit here and give you credentials, but I know a little bit about it. i planted churches in jails. Like, you, <laughs> you can't do this on a whim and a prayer because it's, a, like, a cool thing to do in your church. You've got to, like, it's got to be part of, I can't say no. I have to. That drive, that thing. I don't know Aaron and Jensie that well, but I guarantee, I wonder, if you just walked away from it tomorrow It would linger. It would still eat at you. It would be part of it because it's And I just from just seeing you guys from a distance like you can see it's part of who you're geared to be. It's such a part of how you're supposed to operate that if you just dropped it you'd be dropping part of who you are. That's the apostolic that says I have to go do this. Um, Jonathan, you got the song queued up and ready? This is the hard part for Jonathan's job today. I actually got some songs and videos. We're not going to listen to all of them. And some of them are super duper cheesy, but we're going to try to listen to them if we can. You, you don't have them. OK, so you don't love me. <laughs> Jonathan's going to healing place from now on. <laughs> we don't need Jonathan. All right, so are you serious though you don't have them? Or you're just messing with me. Oh, OK, don't worry about it. OK, so I actually wrote the lyrics down just in case. So this is even better. All right, so this is a song actually by a lady, <laughs> 60s and 70s church. Y'all, y'all owe us. Uh, this lady's name was Honey Tree. Thank you so much for making it where it'd be really easy to understand why she would call herself Honey Tree. I'm sure that's what her mom named her was Honey Tree. That's, but that's but she was great and she wrote all these great songs. She wrote this song called Pioneer. My friend Billy Griggs sent it to me, and it has been a lifeline for me for many years. Uh, and I just have a few verses here. He says, "You travel on, you travel alone." And when you arrive, nobody knows. But the Father in heaven, he is glad you can go. For those who come after you will need the road. That's the apostolic. It's the bow of the boat that takes all the break. If you watch a boat go down the river, the front of it, the little V, takes all the break. The rest of it just floats. And that's great. It needs to float, it's not made for breaking. It's made for, for buoyancy, but the bow is made to break whatever comes in front of it so the boat can go where it needs to go. Yep. If you don't have the apostolic, it's hard, hard, hard to have kingdom culture because you're really, really, really quickly going to go into what's tame in a wave pool because the apostolic can't stand it. It will fight its way out of a wave pool. It will do anything to get out of that and find the ocean. Forever, it's addicted to the ocean. It can't stand the the artificial, and so when you don't have that, you very very quickly get into the tamed things, and that's a deaf sentence as we've discussed. All right, so we'll go into the next one, the prophetic. We're going to speed up a little bit here. Conduits of God's words, visions, dreams, and impressions. So these are my definitions that are very quickly put together, supposed to be one-liners. Do not come at me weird, please. You can, but please don't. Oh, profit prophet's so much more. I know it's more than that, okay? It's a, I can't put 500 words up there. So I'll only do that for scripture that you didn't want to read. So just joking. I'm sure you guys all love when the preacher gives you 1,000 scriptures. Um, I don't, by the way, just so you know. But conduits of God's words. I almost played the song Jesus Freak here. Who remembers the D.C. song? oh look at y'all look at y'all like in dc talk yep so an example from the bible is ezekiel my buddy ezekiel uh one day he ate a scroll because that was something god told him to do another day he laid on his side for 390 days straight because god told him to these are normal things that we do in church he cooked his food over a fire of manure prophesying over dry bones when they come to life just so you don't know just so you know you probably don't get to prophesy over the dry bones that come to life unless you do all this other weird nonsense that's what got him there <laughs> like that's and I don't even tell you the chronology of all the story but I'm telling you the prophetic is our voice man they they're hearing if you get to listen to or hang out with Sharika very often you get a lot of very direct like this is from the throne room kind of stuff and the first time I ever met Sharika was back on Starring Lane in 2015 and I was like, man, she's losing her mind like right now. She is on it. Like she is in there. She is either completely in the presence of God or she needs like a Zoloft. I don't know which one it is, but the prophetic will often be labeled that way. Often they'll be labeled bizarre. That, listen to what I just read. That doesn't strike you as bizarre. Of course it's bizarre. Of course it is. And There are New Testament examples as well. The prophetic is often odd to us but we need it desperately it brings correction it brings vision without a vision his people perish we need to understand what he's trying to show and tell us for our personal correction in life and also so so often people get prophetic words and people get damaged by others who've gotten prophetic words and I know that it's very real it happens a lot and I'm sorry that it's happened if it has happened to you let me give you a Sean Bowles quote. We should highlight love rather than information as the goal of prophetic ministry. Wow. So, Bowlesy, if you don't know Sean Bowles again, B O L Z, worth a Google. Um, ministering completely out of love as opposed to, well, God has given me a word, and thus saith the Lord, and now I give you the word, and the word shames you publicly, and we don't care, because it's from the Lord, because that's how God does things every day. That is not probably coming from God. Most like Maybe every, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm here to tell you what God isn't going to do in every situation, but I'm telling you for the most part, no. No. God didn't call you here today so you could talk about the demon of tobacco or whatever you might be, I don't care. Like I've seen all that kind of stuff. You've maybe seen it too. It's so not how you see God operate. It's not how he operates. But does he give people words so they can go pray for about things and so they can go be ministered to? And so I can care about what's going on in your life. Does God tell a prophetic person, which I am not? Almost everybody in my life is prophetic but me. Um and they they are everything is like a wheel inside of a wheel with a bunch of eyes on it. Like that's everything I hear about is like some kind of vision or dream or trance, and I'm always like I'm I'm not that guys. Like I'm I'm so not into this. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Can you just tell me what it means eventually? But it's it's how God speaks to them. And if you read the Bible, you know God doesn't like to say, "Hey, go do A, go do B, go do C." Go do... That's not how he usually talks. Because it's God's glory to conceal a matter. It's our glory to go figure it out. Like he loves that stuff. Because that's how he rolls. That's how God operates. So he gives them things that are kind of concealed and beauty, and imagery, and artistry, and poetry, and all these things, and then we have to figure it out, but they can't figure it out alone. They, too, have to do it all together, and it's a beautiful, beautiful harmony when we do it together, but we need their voice. Without their voice, we very quickly get into a very compromised place where whatever I think is going on is good enough, and whatever I think we should do is what we're going to go do instead of what is God saying in this moment. We desperately need to know what God is saying in this moment. All right, teachers. Teachers are our anchors to God's deep truth. Uh, again, a C.S. Lewis quote. <laughs> uh, you know, if you remember, anybody here read or watch Aslan, The uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, some of y'all, great. Um, I saw it as an adult. I would never read the book since I was an adult. So, you know, the white witch in the story kills Aslan. Boom, he's dead. And then she's like, oh, yeah, we won. This is a wrap. So they go to war. They're beating everybody up. And then Aslan comes back from the dead. He's very much an archetype of Jesus, right? So he comes... Uh, archetype is the right word? I think I might have just used a big word for fun. Anyway, he's a picture of Jesus. And Jesus... So Aslan comes back up, and he's like, Hey, I'm here. And the girls, the Pevensey girls, are like, Oh, no, you died. And he's like, Well, here's the thing. She thinks she knows the deep magic. I was there when it was written. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> i love me some of that i love that man we need our teachers desperately we need them not to be legalistic because that's the easy fallback for a teacher but when they are not and they are in that spirit of god man we need those people because they don't just understand what the words say they understand the author who wrote it and they're telling us this is what the deep magic this is the depth of spirituality this is who god really is so, yes, you got hurt. I'm so sorry that happened. But this is what God really says. Identity comes from this. We need this so badly. And so often, because they're not very engaging speakers, and we play on our phones and stuff when they're speaking, uh, we, they, they get to talk on Wednesday nights or something when other people are there. When the real Christians show up, you ever been to a church like that? You know, like, but not, not, no, man. We need that gift, and we need it on the forefront, just like we need all the other gifts. The evangelist. Um, that's an easy one a lot of people know a little bit more about that one i called them god's adoption agents bringing his truth and love to the lost um it's easy to just classify and say well like billy graham billy graham's an event and people go oh yeah billy graham something he preached right you did a thing yeah billy did a thing uh it was 191 countries in the world when billy graham was ministering he went to 185 of them that's most so he did a little bit of thing um like two and a half million people heard him preach live he helped bring down the berlin wall they helped create pa systems like just little things here and there he bailed martin Luther king out of prison on multiple times he he came to the south and refused to preach in a segregated audience billy graham is a monster of a human being and he got saved at a service he said he would never go to and the last thing he would ever do is be some kind of huckster preacher and he's in there with mordecai ham who's god's joke on the ministry because there's no way you're taking this cat serious. And Mordecai Ham points at him and goes, word of knowledge, prophetic thing, I don't have it. I don't have Wesley doesn't have it. Mordecai had it. And starts calling out Billy Graham in the, in the service. Boom. 185 countries later. That's a move, man. That, you don't get that in the wave pool, I promise. That's a move. And this is my favorite thing. And If you're failing here right now i understand if you failed here i've been divorced it's not fun it's no fun at all okay so this isn't here's this high goal and you're not reaching it it's here's this high goal and billy's a human and he reached it so we can too when his kids Ann, graham and franklin talked about billy around the time his mom their mom ruth died so ruth is billy's wife um they said when billy walked in a room Ann's eyes still lit up, 60 years. 60 years in, he's just a human. 60 years in, she's still lit up when he walked in a room. Without love, it's all meaningless. All 185 countries, it means nothing. And the two or three people that I've met who've spent, Billy's a hero of mine, so you have to forgive me. but. the two or three people I've met who spent time with Billy they said that you'd meet him and he would talk to you like you were the most important person he'd ever met he met more people and went more places and traveled more than any human who ever lived ever and when he talked to you you felt like you were the most important person he'd ever seen That's, you, there's no wave pool in Billy I don't think you've you got to be in the ocean to do that. And by the way, survive all those years without any form of scandal or anything right at all, which some of us, our own lives are scandalous, let alone being in the public eye. For, he was the spiritual advisor to every president since Harry S. Truman, all the way until he was no longer possible um, with Barack Obama. And he was healthy, not healthily able to you know, do it anymore. He was sick. He had pancreatic cancer and a bunch of different things. Truman was in the, fo- Truman dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki until Obama <laughs> I like Billy and then we get our pastors oh wait I didn't do the songs Oh, I, I worked so hard on that oh well no it's okay so um, I'll just give the body I'll give the, so if we are the body you guys have heard the casting crown song if we are the body came out like maybe 10-15 years ago if we are the body why are his feet going Why is his love not showing them there is a way? Jesus paid much too high a price for us to pick and choose who should come. We are the body of Christ. Jesus paid much too high a price for us to filter in the people that we're comfortable with. And that goes for evangelism. That goes for every aspect of life. Absolutely. And that was a song I had that kind of matched up with. Uh, Rich Mullins for Creed. Anytime I get a chance to mention Rich Mullins, I will for the rest of my life Um, for the teacher I had Rich uh, he wrote this song in hopes of ending denominationalism and having an ecumenical church where we're all together in unity he said and I believe what I believe it's what makes me what I am I did not make it no it is making me it is the very truth of God not the invention of any man I did not make it no it is making me it is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man We need our teachers. And this was more fun. So prophetic, like I said, I almost did uh, Jesus Freak. Glory Come Down by Jason Upton. Jason Upton's my all-time favorite guy on worship. He came to one time in New Orleans. (laughs) I got there early. (laughs) He got out of this random, like, rental car. Like, somebody dropped him off. I swear, y'all, and I love Jason Upton with all my, I'm such a huge fan of his. And he gave, he was there for, like, three hours. It was one of the best things I've ever been to in my life. Maybe 200 people in the room. it was amazing the um, voice of the kingdom hosted it down in new orleans he got out of the car and i thought he was somebody's like 40 year old son that lived in their basement like he had on like he, he just looked like he had just kind of rolled out of bed and was like i'm here to volunteer like i did not think that was jason upton about to roll in there and like break heaven and earth open for hours and then he stayed afterwards for forever just talking to everybody like it, he certainly would not have fit my filter, what I thought he was going to look like. But this is a song, Glory Come Down. And this is what I have for the prophetic. The church is sick in need of God alone. And people, we must seek his face. And if we turn from our unrighteousness, he'll forgive our evil ways. So may the eyes of God be on us here. Lord, revive us by your grace. Holy Spirit, be forever near. Saturate us in this place. So, Correction, presence blessing these are the things that the prophetic bring into our lives that we need so much all right guys believe it or not we are wrapping up so pastors i got a big long song for pastors um so thankful The, the word literally comes from like pastures with sheep in them mothers and fathers mega churches that have had tremendous growth and have had a hard time figuring out how to love people well that have almost lost it have realized that when you have mothers and fathers in your congregation and you empower them and you unleash them on the people, they're going to be ministered to beautifully. It doesn't all have to come from a pulpit. It doesn't all have to come from somebody with a title and all this stuff because you'll see it's in, it's in Ephesians and it's in Corinthians. Pastor's not even mentioned in Corinthians and it's the last one mentioned in Ephesians, but it's the tamest of all of them strikes me as odd that the one that's the tamest is the one that we call everybody when this thing is supposed to be anything but tame i'm not saying it's has to be a you know criticism it just seems comfortable in a religion that's not built on our being comfortable (laughs) at all but our pastors they do comfort us and comfort is beautiful comfortable I would say, is taking a beautiful thing and making it into what we want it to be. Comfort, so precious. And I've learned so much about it in the last few months, and I never knew. I felt like I lived in a house and I'd never walked outside and seen, there's the left side of my house. Like, I didn't even know comfort was like a thing. I didn't have a concept for it. I didn't have a shelf on the wall. If I'd have put it on there, it just would have slid down. Like, I didn't have anywhere to put the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It's so precious and so needed. Is so desperately needed. And pastors, our mothers and fathers, are supposed to be there. And that's what they do. And they come and they comfort. And even if it's the quickest things. You know, sometimes, like Mr. Tommy will come up and he'll say something to me. And sometimes I don't have anything to give him. He giving me a hug or saying something good. And I'm just dry. And I'm like, I appreciate that. And I, I want to give back. But in that moment, he's just coming and being a dad. Just wrapping his arm around me and giving me a place to lean we need that. One of my favorite stories is, um, I tried to look up the guy's name. I can't remember his name. I remember the story very, very well, so you have to forgive me. It was John Kilpatrick. Some of y'all remember John from um the Brownsville revival. So John's got a guy that comes into the church. Kid is wilding out, drug addict, whatever. After quite some time, <laughs> he gives his life to the Lord. He's doing good. He's ministering. It's all great. So... This guy is living in John's house. I want to say his name is Donnie, but I don't remember his name. I'm so sorry. We're going to call him Donnie, though, if y'all will have some grace on me. So Donnie lives in John's house. Donnie starts dating one of the prominent figures in the church, their daughter. This is great. Donnie gets promoted to youth pastor. Everything's going just the way they want. And then Donnie knocks up his girlfriend. And the girlfriend, again, is one of the lead people's daughters, so Donnie familiar with what he is familiar with in life goes home, goes to his bed in this man's life, in this man's house and puts everything he owns in a garbage bag and he just sits on the bed waiting for John Kilpatrick to come home and throw him out he just waits and he's just sitting there imagining all the different ways he's failed and what he is and who he is and how he was foolish to believe he could be or do more and he said Kilpatrick walked in and he was not happy, <laughs> which you might imagine. But he sat down on the bed with him, and he put his hand on him, and he said, we're going to figure this out. And he said, in that moment, God ministered to him something that's become very famous, and it's in songs, and it's failure is never final where there's a father. That's a, that's a big, that's a big, big, big hall pass, to be a human. And the church hasn't been real good at that for a long time. We've done a real bad job of giving people freedom to be humans and to be real and to be flawed and to figure it out as they go like all of us are doing. Because again, that scares us. We'd rather the tame thing, or at least we all look like we're doing the same thing. And go to churches, everybody looks the same in the church. Everybody dresses like the pastor. It's ridiculous. We're just so indoctrinated and scared to sit next to somebody who just knocked up and go this baby's a blessing and I'm grateful for this life and you two are about to get married because they, they were get he already had a ring they weren't they just weren't married yet he said and, and, and we're gonna make this work and this is gonna be good and you know no it's not a good day you're gonna need to go apologize to the youth group you are need to go make things right clean up your mess but this we're going to thank God for this child and we're going to move on with life. Anybody ever needed failure not to be final? When everything in you told you it was? Pastors come alongside and they put their arms around us and they say, oh baby, this is just a bump in the road. This isn't the end. So very grateful for our pastors. So in conclusion... This is designed to be this harmonious, beautiful thing that takes a lot of risk, like everything in the kingdom. Beautifully, one of the core values of this church is that risk is the defining element of faith. Because if you say you have faith, but you don't have risk, what do you really have any faith in? You have to have risk involved for it to be faith, because faith is the evidence of things that you can't see. You try to sit in a chair, you can't see. There's risk you're going to fall on your butt. Such as faith. It's Again, there's no invisible chairs you're trying to sit on in the tame wave pool. You know exactly when the chair is coming. You know exactly how to ride it. It's all easy. It's when you get out into the ocean and you don't know exactly what's in that wave. What just brushed up against my leg? That kind of stuff is where the reality is. It's where the kingdom lives, quite frankly. So I know I'm a little bit over. I'm sorry. I wanted to be a little bit quicker. I got caught up on something. But right now... I want you to know that anybody in here can be called to operate in any of this, especially for short seasons. If you are an entrepreneur and you've got this apostolic thing where you've got to go birth something, you could be pastoral, you could be a teacher, you could be anything, and that could be true of you. Or you could be any of those things, and in one season or another, God could highlight a certain thing or hand you that for you to, all of this stuff, God is not, don't put it on your business cards and say, well, now I'm an apostle because that's not the thing. That's not what we're doing here. That's foolishness. Like that's not, We're not living and dying by these. God created this to serve us. He didn't create us, us to serve that. That's not the way that works. But it is important, pardon me, to understand our specialization and what he's trying to do in our life. Just like you wouldn't want your plumber showing up to do your electrical work, at least not for very long. You don't want your apostle showing up to lead your children's ministry for very long. You need somebody with a tender, gracious, nurturing hand to come into that room because the apostle's probably like, say that one more time one more again, come on, I like it when you do. It's, it's a little different, it doesn't have to be but you understand what I'm saying there's different specializations you don't want to live in that place if it's not what you're specialized to do so find out what you're specialized to do and then walk in those things and help. and we will be here, I promise you very, very imperfectly to help you figure those things out and walk in them but don't hide from them don't hide your little light we want it, we need it, we love it and don't find other people's lights and snuff them out or tell them that's not the thing instead let's take that risk let's be bold enough to say hey i don't know what's going to happen i'm about to do something right now i don't know what's going to happen and let's see what happens because that's what faith and risk are and we're doing it based on his word based on his love based on his care for one another with the right ideas and goals in mind in community in humility where we can speak into each other's lives Because we don't want to miss part of this. You don't want to miss the prophetic in your life, I promise you. You will have a giant void if you don't have the prophetic. You don't want to miss the teacher, that deep magic. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss any of it. You need it all. We all do. And with what time we have left, and I understand I need to release y'all to go get your kids here momentarily. um, If anybody in the room, especially if you can... And if you need to come with your kids, come with your kids. But if anybody in the room, when we're talking about these different roles and these different specializations, if you know that there's something in you that's being birthed, that when you hear about that, when people talk about it, it's a little fire that gets lit inside of you. It's a desire, it's a passion, it's something. Maybe you can't even put words to it. By all means, one of the ways that God does a lot of this stuff is when we pray for one another. There's impartation, there's laying hands, there's all this kind of stuff in the Bible. I'm just going to tell you, If you want to do things that require interdependence, it's a real good chance the first step is going to require interdependence. I promise. So if there's something that God has been just right there, Shane, can you hit the keys for me for just a minute? That helps people. If there's something that is welling up in you that you really want God to attend to and you really want to lay before his feet and ask him to bless or ask him to move forward in, please feel free to come up and very very loving people will pray for you very pastoral people will pray for you (laughs) but people who have those particular anointings they'll see you and they'll come pray for you too and all that beautiful stuff that God put in you that has been dying to get out that maybe you've even felt a little tame yourself because it's not getting out let it out there's no lock there's no door You don't even need a key. There's just you and your choices and his love. So if you feel that in your life, by all means, please, come to the front. So I'm going to pray. And guys, thank you so much for listening. That was a longer sermon than we normally have, a whole lot of scripture. I really do appreciate y'all. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for these wonderful people. Thank you that they chose to give you time. And they (laughs) trusted me to be part of it. (laughs) Thank you, Lord just how much you love us and how good you are to us we're so far beyond not deserving it and then somehow you say we are worthy and we're worthy of even more than we allow you to give us you're wanting to lavish more you're wanting to do more but we get in the way help us to receive new callings new anointings new desires and dreams and visions And above all, Lord, help us to receive you in each other and to love each other well, to love you well, so that all these things can be birthed organically and not just in some altar service, but over the course of our lives. They can be birthed and nurtured and cared for and propelled because that's what we really need. We love you and we thank you for what you've done in this body. We thank you for what you're doing. We praise you in Jesus' name. sermon of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.